0: Welcome to the Court to Corporate podcast. I'm your host, Kirby Porter. On this show, we sit down with current and former athletes to discuss their personal playbooks and dive deeper into how it has translated into success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. You can find this podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at courttocorporate.com. Court to Corporate is all about amplifying the journey of athletes in corporate America and showcasing how your athletic influence can serve to build your path. Stay up to date with more content and perspectives across all of our social platforms. These will be linked in the show notes or they can be found on our website. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, guys, welcome back. Episode 13. It has... It's been exciting to to just grow this thing and get more perspectives and hear more stories and I feel like I'm learning from the guests along the way conversation by conversation and just learning more about their passions and what made them tick and and you know what support systems they had in place and what their biggest roadblocks were and how they got over it and and how it all ties together it's just been it's been exciting and I think even more so just hearing feedback from people that have reached out about what has resonated with them the most, that has really been the best part um, just to hear what has been helpful. So thank you if you have, you know, reached out and and shared your feedback and thank you if you have been on the show and you're listening to this right now, Um, you know, but, but also if if you want to share your story, Um, reach out because that's that's what all this is about and we'll we'll keep it going okay so if you have been listening to this since day one first of all thank you but yes I did change the intro music those that know me this is just a little bit you know more on brand I really just couldn't get with the other one so that's that you know a few changes here and there to spice it up a little bit but today before getting into this episode I wanted to just kind of update on me quickly. I, I realized that since the first episode, I hadn't um, kind of shared the major updates that have happened in my life across the course of these two months. And I was just kind of reflecting on like the June and July time period. And I just wanted to share that with you guys and then also just provide the update. So yeah, I mean, the main ones are that I moved. So I'm still in New York. That was a whole process. Don't, get me started. It's like very triggering, but <laughs> the the New York market is ruthless. But I found an apartment. I finally deleted Street Easy off my phone, I moved into my place in July. So I'm feeling good. I'm settled in and loving it, loving the new neighborhood. The second update is that I changed roles. So I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, but I interned at Pepsi and came through the campus hire program. So in my class, it was like 13 undergrads, let's say, and, you know, six MBAs and a good bulk of us of the undergrads and the MBAs came back full-time through the campus hire program, and when the undergrads come back, we kind of go through a rotational kind of framework for the first three years, and the idea is that you're supposed to get experiences across our key functions within marketing, so comms, commercial and innovation. So when I came back and started, I interned in food service and was working on a platform called Hello Goodness. And then I came back and started on the Mountain Dew innovation team for the past year. And then in July, I started on the NBA and hoops team. So I'm now on the sports marketing team, um, more comms focused per se, if you're kind of looking at it through those three pillars. But yeah, so started on that team in, in July, and it's working on our NBA partnership, our player strategy, our team strategy, and, um, you know, all the assets and and building out that um, comes with that. Yeah, so that's been really exciting. I, I know I mentioned this before, like my, my first internship with the NFLPA was all about realizing that there's this space beyond the game and to be on the other side of things. So, it's exciting for these two passion points of mine of sports and storytelling to overlap again through my work. So yeah, and it'll be a, a great year ahead. And so in the spirit of switching things up, as just mentioned. We'll actually be introducing a Q&A um, on my to-do list is to think of a more creative name with that with my marketing mind. But yeah, uh, we we introduced that on our Instagram story tonight, and the premise is really just I'm I'm here to answer your questions about either my experience, about marketing, about where I am now, um, or, or just provide any advice on things that you may be dealing with in the moment. So yeah, we'll start that off tonight. I'm going to think of a new name and (laughs) we will continue it. Okay, so the first question here is what's basically like what carried over from sports to you and and now in in your job? Basically, you talk about it, so what's good? (laughs) I love that. Um, 100% next game mentality. I... That is the first thing that comes to mind every single time. Um, I, I think growing up in an environment where you make mistakes, you're going to make mistakes. You cannot control everything that is happening in the game. You cannot control um, everyone's reaction to, to a play, to a missed shot, to a missed a missed gap like you know whatever it it may be you at the end of the day the biggest thing that i took away from from playing basketball is that you can control what you can control and i think coming into any job the mistakes are going to continue and it is really your ability to focus once again on the controllables and keep the perspective on next steps because that's what that's what happens. Your defender blows by you, you get it back, you get it back the next play, right? And I think that is what has carried over with me. Um and it it's not even just in mistakes. It's in the wins as well. You know, it's kind of the what's next mentality. And I think just kind of keeping that with you um keeps you proactive. It keeps you efficient and it also allows you um, to to maintain that perspective as um, someone that likes to think forward and not forward as in as an aggressive and I can't focus on what's in front of me it's just you want to move the agenda along um, in a way that makes sense for the team so um, all that's to say next game mentality it's something that I say to myself it's something um, that I think about often and it's always, what comes to mind first when I think about, um, you know, at least just just one of the the main attributes that has carried over. Okay, so now on to today's guest, Chris Dayton. Right before our conversation, he shared a post on LinkedIn. I do my research. <laughs> it was uh it was about Last Chance U, and for those that are not familiar, Last Chance U is a Netflix docu series and stories up and coming and rebuilding junior college football programs. So with that, they lean into about a handful of players on the roster each season and follow them as the main characters. So some of them are coming from top 25 programs. Some of them were overlooked to begin with. But at the center of the series and the point of the title itself is that the players are, in a sense, fully reliant on the game of football for any shot at opportunity. So what I had the chance to read from Chris is that Watching the series for him is emotional because he was once that student-athlete that attended community college and whose outlet of football became tied to his self-worth. Today, Chris is working in client partnerships at IBM and is also a professional presence coach and career consultant. He teaches people how to own their narrative, how to pursue a career path that aligns with their interests, and shares this knowledge with people that are looking to strategize on next steps and claim their path. In between here and there, he played Division I football at Murray State. He worked at Indiana University in Georgia State, where he led the development of leadership and life skill programs for student athletes, and he also received his MBA from Pitt. So today, we're getting into how he shifted his mindset to control his narrative, his journey to IBM, and then also he's sharing key insights for athletes to take away from his experience as a career consulting coach. Awesome. So as always, let's start with you just sharing a little bit more about yourself. Who is Chris Dayton? Um, share a little bit more about your journey.
1: Yeah, thank you, Kirby, and, and. again, thank you for having me on the show. I think it's a great message and I think it's an initiative that we all should practice helping student athletes better themselves. And um, help them see the bigger picture. But uh, who is Chris State? That's a great question. I think from the outside looking in, other people would say that I am an upstanding guy. Um, I work in business. I am a, a, a client partner executive at IBM, meaning that I help other uh, other businesses, Fortune 500 businesses, better their IT infrastructure and to help in their digital transformation. But away from that, other people might see my uh, love for my fiance, just recently got engaged uh, to, uh, to a beautiful, my beautiful future bride. I'm a proud uh, uncle to two nephews, proud brother uh, to four siblings, proud son to two parents. Um, but what I would say for myself inside, looking out on the foundational level, um, I would like to think of myself as an intellect of some sort. Uh, I love reading. I love listening to podcasts. Um, I think they allow me to widen um, and widen my thinking and allow me to think about different uh, paradigms and structures that have been created in, in a new light. Um, I love observing people, observing people's uh, tr- career trajectory, what got them to the places that they are. Uh, today, I love studying uh, success, quote unquote. I love studying people who have exhibited a level of uh, determination and discipline and um, and success. So um, that's who people may see me as and also who I see myself as on an internal level. Um, I hope that answers your
0: question. Yeah, absolutely. I love the answer. And I think it just speaks to how multifaceted you are, right? And I think it's absolutely a reflection of your journey um, from transferring schools, going to business school, being in the athlete development space, being at IBM and and now being a career um, coach on your own, right? But we'd love to hear more from you and, and obviously we'll talk about this more in detail, but along your journey, if you had to pick, what were two pivotal moments that you think have shaped who you are today and what you just described?
1: Yeah, sure. I I think uh two pivotal moments that helped shape my career in my life trajectory was when I came from junior college to a bigger university. So um, out of high school, I was not the best student. I, I graduated with barely a 2.0 GPA. Um, I wasn't necessarily destructive in class, but I just was Heads down, trying to quote unquote make it to the league or make it to deep one. So I didn't really focus a lot on my academics. So I went the junior college route, and then when I got my scholarship to Murray State uh, down in Murray, Kentucky, um, I had a, a very, a, a very pivotal, a very, very pivotal time with a coach that came from the University of Alabama. Um, he was an all-decade team in the University of Alabama, and for those that are familiar with the University of Alabama football program, they are a very disciplined group. I think their discipline level and their determination, and their focus is on a whole uh, different level than the average football program. And he showed me uh, a, a, a foretaste of what it takes to play at that level. Um, he was extremely hard on us, and I think that kind of changed my whole thinking of how, what success looks like. I think a lot of times we, especially in this Instagram, Facebook, Twitter era, we like what success looks like, but we, doesn't, we don't want to work for success or we don't like what success feels like. A lot of times success feels like hard, hard, hard hours and, and long hours studying or long hours perfecting your craft. And that coach really taught me what hard work really looks like. So I think that was kind of the foundation of what kind of turned uh, my my thinking around. And I think the second uh, time that I kind of flipped that switch is when I went to business school. So uh, before I got my MBA at the University of Pittsburgh, I was actually working in higher education um, at Indiana University. And when I went to business school, I realized that I was not the smartest whip. Um, I was uh, not uh, the most technical. I was not uh, the most uh, intelligent and, but I realized that my foundation in, in, in athletics, my foundation working with teams, connecting with others, listening, and also my, connect, my my foundation in education and nonprofit helped me create alliances with different people so that I was able to uh, better my chances of being a better student and also in a better, in a better academic at University of Pittsburgh, but actually grasp the theories of business school, so I think those were the two instances where I felt my paradigms shift. Was when I had a really hard coach at the Murray State that showed me what hard work looked like and felt like. And then the second time was when I was at the University of Pittsburgh, and I realized that I was not the smartest or the most intelligent, but my success was predicated on building strong alliances and strong partnerships and strong friendships and relationships with people that could help me become a better me, become a better student, better academic, and then in future uh, efforts become a better businessman. So uh, those are two instances that I can remember.
0: Yeah, and you know, today between your work and between what you do on your own and being a career development coach, it seems like you're focused on a lot of the same things as well and, and helping others become better versions of themselves. Between those two, as just mentioned, what does a typical week look like for you? How are you managing being at i b m at that level and being a career development coach um and then also just share a little bit more about you know what your day to day looks like at i b m as well
1: absolutely um when i when I take a step and look take a step back and look and think about what I do on a day to day week to week month to month basis. Um, sometimes I get surprised that. We may do in, in, a, in, a, in a given time frame, week to week. On um, as far as IBM is concerned, um, I travel a lot for work, so I'm pretty much at the client site. I'm um, based out of Boston, but uh, I'm currently on a project where I travel to Washington D.C. and the D.M.V. area, and I'm basically on the client site from Monday morning to uh, Thursday afternoon. When I come back to Boston. Um, And then usually throughout the week um, outside of IBM, I'm usually talking to one or two uh, people that are in undergrad or people that are in grad school that are looking for little tidbits of advice and guidance on how they should navigate the different, the various uh, steps that they are in their journey. Um, However, even though my advice is is not law i don't think that my experiences encompasses all that they may need to know uh, i think that uh, my perspective and and my story my journey can help them put things in their own perspective like to give them my personal view but in an objective way to help them uh, kind of materialize an idea of what should be the next steps um, so more specifically in ibm side i really help. With the digital transformation of IT infrastructure, if people are wanting to go for more legacy, at, um, infrastructure, I help them move to what what we call now, quote unquote, uh, the cloud. Now, I don't want to get into too technical, uh, to deep in the technical sense that technical um, story of that, but that is what I do on a day to day. And I kind of apply that uh, that that thinking to what I do on the side and helping people transform their story and craft their narrative so that they can help materialize what they want in, in their career and their personal lives. And some, and sometimes most, sometimes in their athletic lives as well. So I think that we're all in modes of transformation. We're all in modes of transition. And I think that um, the people that are, Successful in those modes of transformation and transition uh, are the people that are successful. The people that can keep their head when transition is not—it's it, a little bit um, tumultuous and, and transformation may be a bit tough. People that can keep their head and keep a certain level of composure and, and 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 have the big picture in mind. Those are the people that are successful, and I just serve as a voice to help people uh, move through those transformation and transition periods.
0: I love hearing how you leverage a lot of your personal journey to do so. But in addition to that, as you mentioned earlier, you're not a stranger to the space of career development. Um, speaking to your experience as a professional per athlete, personal and professional development um, role at IU and GSU, both in similar capacities, right? Tell us more about how you originally stepped into that work for athletes.
1: Absolutely, and so. My first year out of undergrad from Mary State, um, I stepped into a role while I was actually in the classroom on the high school level. I was actually a special education instructor at my old high school, and I was a football coach on the side, personal training, and, and I was also mentoring with the organization uh, in the in the Chicagoland area. I loved every bit of what I was doing, both in the classroom and outside of the classroom. Um, however, I wanted to be a part of more of the curriculum building and more of the programming that could help uh, most most specifically student athletes uh, be better in the classroom and also in their personal lives. So um, I started looking for positions that could allow me to do so. I wanted to be of service of student athletes because back when I was at Murray State, there were a few people that helped me get to where I needed to be step-by-step. Step. Um, one person in particular, uh, Kellen Wells Mangold, is an assistant director at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, he helped me really craft my story. He helped me really get to the next level. And I want to be that for somebody else. So starting at GSU, um, that state, not Southern, uh, go Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was there Uh, working for the athletic department under Brad Hort, who I still see as a mentor. Um, He helped me tremendously as I was still a young pup in the game. Um, What I really focused on at Georgia State was really helping the the student athletes, mostly football players, uh, manage uh, their personal and their academics. So manage uh, everything from financial literacy, everything from being in the class on time, everything, uh, from time management, uh, helping them handle even some conversations, even steered towards you know relationships, and, and you know sometimes it'd be kind of hard to juggle those things when you're a student athlete juggling your personal relationships and also being a student athlete. Uh, when I was when I went to Indiana University, uh, I was at Georgia State for a year and a half, and I was at Indiana University. I was uh, in the same vein, helping student athletes, but more on a, a broader uh, term. I had some board positions on campus that were um, that were geared towards the broader uh, the broader student population. I was on a drug and alcohol task force. As you know, some universities they struggle with that, right? Where um, drinking and driving, uh, drug overdoses. So um, Indiana University wanted to put together a task a force for drug and alcohol. So I sat on that board. Also sat on the board with uh, what I lia- was well, the liaison for the financial literacy office. And we wanted to bring more of what they were doing in their curriculum to bring that to student athletes and help them craft uh, personal budgets for them. Um, at, at IU, I was also part of giving student athletes a safe space where they could give, um, where they could kind of offload those grievances and those uh, so those hard times that they were having, um, because I think that coaches, they really handle that on the field piece, you know, uh, academic counselor, they handle, you know, the, the, in the class piece, but it's that person that is connected to both on the field and also in the classroom. I think if we handle that and we handle the student athlete from a psychological, sociological, uh, uh, standpoint, that, that, that student athlete can be both better student and better athlete. Sometimes I think when we talk about student athletes, we have to remember that these are individuals who may come from impoverished backgrounds. These are individuals who may come, who may be the first person in their family to be in college. We, we, we talk about individuals who are solely focused on their sport because they want to feed their family sometime in the future. Some student athletes that I know, I, I knew a couple that actually had uh, children at home, and they or they actually uh, uh, would collect their Pell grants and to collect their refund checks and send uh, the lion's share back home to take care of the food. so that that's heavy on an eighteen to twenty two year old. Yeah. So we have to take care of the student athletes um, from a holistic level, and I enjoyed my time at IU uh, for that. Um, so that's just a little, little bit about what I did on the student athlete career development side. But I realized um, as I grew. In business school, I was getting a lot of inquiries from undergraduates, and now I still get DMs, I probably get about five or six DMs on LinkedIn or Instagram a week, people asking for advice about career, asking advice about resumes or interviews, and I realized that it's not only career. career and personal and professional development, it's not just a thing that student athletes may not take advantage of, but it's an ever-growing process for uh, just students in general. Or, people or early career professionals in general. So I, I really took what I was doing at, at IU and Georgia State University and started applying that to the advice and the guidance and uh, the, the, the little tidbits of, of, of the trade that I give to people that I talk to on a week-to-week basis.
0: Yeah, and you really see how that comes together from the thought process and work you were driving and viewing athletes holistically, right, looking at time management, career development, financial Development relationships, giving them a safe space, um, and really putting that together and, and viewing it as both student and athlete, and seeing that it's all encompassing. You can't just focus on one pillar to to make the change that you want to see. With that said, though, was it was it hard developing programs and curriculum to? To attack that, right? Because it seems as it's as if it's a lot to take on. So, were there any strategies that you had in place um, to 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 make sure that the impact is being felt?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think you hit on a good point. I think that it's it's an ever growing it's ever uh and process to help people along in their journeys uh, because we are ever growing creatures. We are always evolving, always growing uh, mentally, psychologically. So it is tough to uh, prescribe, um, I guess you'd say, uh, a program for a specific demographic, uh, especially a demographic that is as proud as student-athletes have to be. I think you have to carry a level of pride uh, with being a student athlete, because that's where your confidence comes from. Um, that's where your competitiveness comes from. That's where your hard work and teamwork, so you have to give a level of pride. So some student athletes, they don't readily tell you what they need. So you have to, uh, you have to grasp, uh, some of what they need in regular conversation and then hope that the program that you start or the program that you, uh, launch is uh, can can fit that need and then you also listen for feedback so if you for example there was a program that we had at the university uh, called real talk so real talk was that safe space type of form where student athletes it was totally unstructured we will come in get make sure they had some food and then we'll have like one broad conversation let's talk about um for example, sexual harassment, and then we'll have something. What and we'll have somebody that will kick off the conversation, and then that whole hour, hour and a half, would just be student athletes in dialogue that was uh, totally candid, letting them get off, uh, let off steam, and get some things off their chest. And sometimes got really emotional, and some, and then that's when we have to get maybe we have to uh, have a conversation with people on campus to get professional help at this at this program because these student athletes are really going through some turmoil outside of the classroom and, out, and, and off of their the field court or wrestling mat or what have you, or whatever uh, arena that they play on. So it was kind of tough, but some of the strategies that we help to to mitigate that is exactly what I said. You, you may start a, a program or you may change your program, switch it around a little bit, but then you always have your ears to the ground. You always ask for feedback from student athletes and ask them. Did this program resonate with you? Did this program help you? If you could change something about this program, what would it be, right? And then from that, you start to iterate the program to make it fit their needs because you don't want to project what you may what you may have needed as a student athlete onto somebody else, onto another student athlete because what they may need may be totally different, right? So you always have to have a listening ear you have to open your eyes and be aware of the feedback and actually accept that feedback and ingest it and digest it to make sure that you're always perfecting and progressing that that program for the student athletes or even the broader students for their needs so i think that um and on a broader conversation we need administrators we need uh, student success coaches or uh, academic counselors or uh, career counselors to make sure that they are always getting feedback from the people that they are serving. Because sometimes we may be out of touch with what they really need, right? We have a student athlete, they need A, but we give them a the solution for B or C. We have to make sure that we're always coming back to what they need, because if we're not helping them or getting them closer to uh, a a better future for them, then what are we really doing?
0: The importance of feedback—it's exactly you know what you're saying. You have to stay close to the people that you're helping to really refine and iterate and progress um, what is an effective product that's in service of others. So, 100% hear you on that. Um, Last chance, you. I saw your post on LinkedIn shortly after reaching out, and I was like, "This is first of all very touching. Like, th- like thank you for putting that out." Um, but also love the show, and it was really interesting to read the piece and see how you resonated with with what Last Chance You stands for and the narratives that they that they put out. So, can you share more um, first about the show for those that may not know, and then secondly, would love to hear more in depth about how it relates to your personal story.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Last Chance You is a Netflix series. I think it's in its fourth fourth season. Um, and this is the second season where it's at a community college in Kansas, I believe, called Independent U, also known as Dream U. Um, and it's headed by uh, a coach that is extremely tough on his players, uh, can sometimes be seen as abrasive. Uh, he has no problem with uh, profusely cursing at his players. He's a extremely hard coach to play with, but you do kind of feel that he loves his players. He loves what he does, but I think that because of his background being raised and being raised in Compton, California, that his love uh, or his passion for the game can come off as a, a abrasiveness or a disrespect to his players and his coaches. So, the, the last chance you usually picks out five, six, seven players, and they follow these five or six, seven players throughout their, uh, the season. Some players end up not being eligible to play division one football. Some players end up getting out and playing D one football. Some players end up leaving midway to the season due to off the field issues. But, you, but overall, all of these students, all these student athletes, they have a dream. Of bettering the situations through football, and that is where um, that is what really uh, touched me is because I was once in that I was once in that boat, right? That I thought that football was my only way to live a successful life. I thought football was my only way that I could uh, have enough money to feed myself, feed my family. I really thought, and I had so many other gifts. So many other gifts, uh, the gift of gab, uh, the gift of connecting with others. I was, uh, I was a good student all up to high school. Uh, I, I played, uh, mus- I played in musical instruments. So I had so many other gifts. However, I put the blinders on and I was just focused on football. And so these players that last chance you, they're focused on football and that's all they're focused on as a means to be successful. And that is the point where it, it it becomes emotional for me because whenever you put all of your eggs in one basket, that is when you leave yourself at risk, right? Any, most, most investors that invest in the stock market or most investors that uh, buy stocks or shares, they usually have a diverse portfolio, right? They have their high risk investments. They have their medium risk investments, and then they have their investments that are low risk, right? So going to the NFL is a high risk, but then again, it's a high reward. But very few of these student athletes from college make it to the NFL. If it's a high risk, high reward, you you don't have a good chance to make it to the NFL, that's where you leave yourself at a high risk to not reach the only dream, the only goal that you have set before yourself. And that leaves you at a disadvantage, and that is to your detriment. So you can see, I'm very passionate about this because there needs to be a conversation with these student athletes on a broader level. And then again, these student athletes have been playing football some since they were four, five, six years old. And from what I gathered, most of these student athletes have come from impoverished backgrounds. So. These student athletes, they are being praised and praised only for what they do on the football field. And I can and I can gather that very rarely have they been praised, and very 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 few have have been congratulated in the classroom. So if I'm only getting praised, congratulated, getting pat on the back on the football field, that is my only arena of gratification. That is my only arena where I receive love, where I receive affection. So it makes, it, it behooves me to perform athletically, but it doesn't motivate me to perform academically. So I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a paradigm that has been projected and that has been conditioned in their mind since they were five years old, and chances are it may not change when they turn 17, 18, 19 in their college. However, these, these coaches have influence on these young minds, and, and every day it must be a conversation that they have to think about the bigger picture and not think about football all the time because you have to think about the skills that football is giving you, hard work, teamwork, dedication, focus, being punctual, being present. Think about those overarching skills and learn how to apply that, yes, to football, but also learn how to apply that to another field that you can be successful in. So that's Last Chance you, and that's my view of the show and that's how I view uh, student athletes and how they behave on that show. But then again, that is, at the end, I kind of gave some steps to how we can mitigate the risk that these players put on themselves by just focusing on
0: football. I mean, for for you though, how how you you mentioned the analogy of putting all your eggs in one basket, and how you heavily and passionately related to 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 that narrative. How did you shift away from that mindset?
1: Yeah, it was it it, it was a process that took a long time. Um, and to be honest, I always missed the game. Uh, I miss being on the field, and you know, you always sometimes you yeah I was in the flag football league a year ago, and I started getting flashbacks, and like maybe I could still do this Maybe I could put the pad back on you know what I'm saying, so uh I still kinda have relapses of trying to you know uh uh not be a has um but when did the switch turn off for me? I think the switch turned off for me um I think about that in two ways first off um my the two three years I spent away from the game, I really realized the business of the game, right? I really realized that, yeah, these players are getting 15 million a year, 20 million a year. Some of them are getting even more, of course. these, These players are getting paid more than they ever have been in history. But then there's another bracket of wealth that owns the franchises, that owns the stadiums, that owns, that has that have equity in every jersey sale there's a different level of wealth. And I realized that when I got uh, when I got my first master at Georgia state, and then I also got my MBA, that there's another level of, of, of wealth and money that's connected to the performance of those people on the ground. So I realized that if I were to be involved in sports, I'd rather be involved in the people that are really calling the shots on an institutional structural level. I want to be at the table with these GMs. I want to be at the table with these team owners. I want to be at the table with these commissioners because that's, only, that's the only way that you can, first of all, have influence. And then it's another level of wealth, another level of influence and transformation that you can possibly have on the ground. And I think it helps when you work on the ground. You work on those football players. You know their struggle. You know their pain points. You can bring that up to the commissioner owner level and be a better leader of men or women. Secondly, I realized that football was such a violent sport that it has to be another way that is less violent on my body physically. Then it has to be another way to be financially free than to play football. It has to be another way to feed my family, it has to be another way than to just beat myself up for ten, fifteen years in NFL. To be financially free, it sounds very primitive. It sounds very you know one plus one equals two, but it's that simple for me. for For two reasons, that it's another level of wealth and ownership, and being at the at the at the top of that food chain. And then, secondly, football is a very dangerous, violent sport that can be taken away from you in an instant. So that's two things that really switch that gear, and that I need to reroute my trajectory in order to. Uh, 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 kind of leave football in the past and close that chapter in my life and open up a new one.
0: Yeah, and that's a great segue just to a few questions here about um, this new chapter of yours in career development and, and what you do outside of work. Um, I think in everything that we're talking about right now, I think it all comes down to the mentality and the mentality shift that it takes to make the the pivot that you have to. In your process and what you've understood of how to leverage your likeness and your skill sets to advance off the field. Um, and kind of going back now to the second key pivotal moment that you mentioned in business school where were two things. You realized a quote-unquote weakness um, and second you realized the importance of, of building strong allies while you were there um, but wanted to pull a quote quickly from from your page um and and you saying that once you change your thinking and committed to your unique story you saw a shift can you share more on what that mentality change was in business school um and and how you started to identify your differentiator in that next chapter
1: right right um that's a good question so once you get out of sports I think when you play sports, especially college sports, there's a level of expectation, for example, that you have to be on time, you have to be present, you have to be coachable, and you have to be able to take criticism and keep on going and have that tough layer of skin. I think when you get into corporate America, and I think when you get into graduate school and you start hanging around in different uh areas and different circles, you realize that not everybody has that foundational, uh, that, that, that those foundational values of being on time, of working with others, of accepting criticism and moving forward, and accepting failure and seeing failure as a part of the process and not necessarily your uh, the ending, um, but also seeing failure as something that you can learn from. So I think that was one of uh, my differentiators is that uh, athletics taught me these foundational values that not everybody had the fortune to have. When you go into business school, not everybody was on time for class. Not everybody was present in class. You had a lot of people that would be on Amazon shopping. Yeah, a lot of people that want to listen to professors. A lot of people that weren't engaging in conversation. So they weren't present. So they may have been on time, but then again, they weren't present within that class, or you have those people that didn't want to work in teams. And if anybody that has any, uh, any thinking or any uh, idea, if they want to go into business school, just understand that almost all of your projects that hold weight to your grade will be in groups. You will have to make group presentations, but you'll be surprised how many people in business school do not like working in groups and they just refuse to be a team player. They refuse to listen to the perspectives of others. They refuse to uh, to see uh, the problem from an objective lens and understand that their view of the problem or and their view of the solution may not be the best one. And uh, so you'll be surprised that the foundational values, uh, everybody, they don't share those. So I think, in general, that was... My differentiator, being able to take everything that I've learned from athletics, being hardworking, being on time, being present, uh, being inviting, uh, being a good team player, working in a team, being collaborative, that is actually a great differentiator when you work in corporate, when you go to business school, because you'll be, you'll be surprised that not everybody holds those values true uh, in their everyday life.
0: Absolutely. And would love to just finish with words of advice. Um, what are your words of advice for athletes that are in transition?
1: I would say be aware of your surroundings. Uh, be aware of what you're doing and be intentional about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Uh, ask your asking yourself why you're doing what you're doing each and every day. Why am I waking up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m.? to work out? Why am I doing two-a-days? Why am I listening to this coach? Why am I putting forth all this effort? I think when you think about why you are doing certain things, you will think it will help you put the end goal that you're reaching for in perspective, and then it will also give you a picture of what you should be reaching for as far as the big picture is concerned. The reason why that you that your mom or your dad possibly put you in sports is to give you structure, is to give you something to reach towards. is to, to make sure that you are reaching toward a goal that is respectable, is to give you a foundation of, of, of hard work, give you a foundation of, of understanding that Entitlement is not a good thing. That you should not be entitled, uh, or you feel that you are own that you are owed something. If anything, we as humans, human beings, should be walking around with a level of humility and a level of teamwork that we see every person that we work with, every person that we interact with. We should see them as just another human being that is looking to reach their goal. Now, if everybody uh, sees other people as somebody else that is trying to reach their other goal, we should all be in a loop of giving and collaboration. It sounds very, uh, very idealistic uh, that we should be looking to help others all the time and looking to see other people as a part of the team. But it, it comes in handy when you are working in a large firm and you may see somebody that is not even in your direct team or uh, that's not even in your department and they need help and you can help them find a solution, you'd be surprised that if you help somebody solve their problem, if you just do a good job of being aware and help them solve their problem, how much that will help you in your job. So uh, I said all that to say that if you are intentional about what you do as a student athlete, and you ask yourself why, and you see other people as part of the same team. That we are all human beings that want to reach some level of success. You'll understand that you have to walk around with a level of humility and a level of uh, uh, giving back to each and every person that you meet. It's not only uh, your your responsibility or obligation, but it's something that yeah, that feeds your motivation to push forward. So uh, that's what I would say to student athletes. Think about the big picture. See other people as part of their team. Ask yourself why I'm I'm doing what I'm doing. And then that will lead them to see uh, what they're doing as a part of the bigger picture that they can paint. So that's my advice.
0: All right. Thanks for listening into this episode. In the meantime, we want to hear from you. Stay connected. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts, DM us, or contact us on our website. Whatever is easiest. We want to know your feedback and what questions you have. Otherwise, we'll be back soon with more athletes, more perspectives, and more pro tips on the way.